Welcome everyone. This is Dan Jurdy, a Mendocino County Supervisor. Um, I am hosting today's uh, event with State Senator Mike McGuire. The event is organized by the Grassroots Institute, a local advocacy education group here in Mendocino County. And this is an opportunity for members of the, of the community to hear from the Senator. He's now the Senate Majority Leader and, um, and, and then ask questions after he gives us an update. Senator Mike McGuire was elected to the California State Senate in 2014, re-elected in 2018 and 2022, and he's now the majority leader of the state Senate. Mike is a third generation Northern Californian whose family farmed prunes and grapes in the Alexander Valley of Sonoma mm -hmm. County for nearly half a century. Mike served on his local school board, city council, and board of supervisors before being elected to the state Senate. He represents the second Senate district stretching from the Gold Gate Bridge to the Oregon border, including Del Norte, Trinity, Humboldt, Lake, Mendocino, and Marin counties. Mike, his wife Erica, an elementary school principal, along with their son Connor, call Sonoma County home and their lazy pug Gertrude. Senator, welcome to this event with the Grassroots Institute. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, Supervisor. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you. I want to say thank you, Supervisor, uh, for uh, moderating today. I want to say thank you to Peter for helping organize uh, today and getting us moving. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for allowing me to be with you, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be able to join here today. The most important part uh, is to be able to hear from you, your comments, your criticisms, your concerns. And I look forward to having a collaborative conversation today. I also want to say good afternoon to Supervisor Mulhern, Supervisor Havschak. Thank you so much for joining. I want to say uh, thank you so much to Council Member Strong for uh, being with us today. So you got a full board of supervisors here, so watch out. Um, and uh, really, really grateful to join you uh, and thank you for the invitation. If it's all right with folks, we'd like to be able to cover some of the top issues that uh, we're seeing across California and right here on the North Coast. I'm going to be quick because I think it's going to be really important to be able to get to the conversation, which is going to be the most important part of today. So we'd like to be able to cover all issues of the budget. We'd like to talk about where we're at uh, with our climate budget and the impact that it's going to have on reducing greenhouse gas emission, our use of gas and oil across this state, the positive impact that we're going to see over the next 20 years. We'd like to talk about where we're at with our economy, uh, holding PG&E accountable, talk about housing and homelessness, if it's all right with folks, and of course, uh, K-12 public schools and common sense yeah, yeah. gun reform that we need to continue to advance here in California. Is that all right with everybody? Uh, everybody, if our folks ready to get the party started? All right, here we go. And again, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to work with you uh, in the state yeah. Senate. As Supervisor Jordy said, uh, from Sonoma County, raised by two amazing women, uh, my mom and my grandma. My mom and dad had a pretty bad divorce when I was young. And they taught me three things in life. You got to work hard. You got to be the hardest working person uh, in the room. You got to work together. Uh, and you have to not take no for an answer. Uh, when it comes to the issues that are important to those who you work for. So let's get uh, straight into uh, what's going on and uh, talk about the budget. So um, some real key points in the state budget. Uh, number one, uh, we restored about $1.25 billion worth of cuts that the governor wanted to advance in the climate budget, um, which was absolutely critical. Uh, a large uh, portion of that restoration is focused on climate resiliency, 
really critical to the North Coast, and of course, right here in Mendocino County. Uh, two, uh, record investment in fire response and prevention, about $1.2 billion uh, that will be invested, an additional $2 billion in homelessness. I hope that you will agree with me. Uh, the crisis that exists on our streets in big cities and small across the state, it's unacceptable and it's a problem. And I believe that residents are tired of whether it's state leaders, local leaders and managing this crisis. We have to focus on the human that is on the street, provide them with the care and the services they need uh, to be able to become stable and get back on their feet. Uh, there's gonna be this massive injection of additional funds plus accountability measures, which I'd be happy to talk about here in just a few moments. In addition, we're looking at record funding for K-12 public schools. Um, and we've gone from dead last in the nation uh, here in California just eight years ago. And for the first time in 50 years, we will be in the top 10 in the nation in per people spending. It's about damn time. Um, public schools changed my life. Uh, I feel so incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to be able to go to a public school. I wasn't a great student and I loved it. Uh, and it really helped turn my life around. And I feel grateful. And I think the best investment that we can make as, as a state and as a community is in our kids in public schools. And then also $37.2 billion is in our rainy day fund. The highest our rainy day fund has been in the history of this great state. So let's switch, if it's all right with folks, to climate. Because California has passed the largest and boldest state climate budget in American history, $54 billion uh, that will be invested over the next five years. And I'd like to talk about the impact, the positive impact that this funding will have uh, on our greenhouse gas emissions, as well as our climate crisis. So here's what we know. By this investment of $54 billion, it's going to cut greenhouse gas emissions in California by 85% by 2045. It's going to cut air pollution by 60% uh, by 2045. The vast majority of that is going to be through the banning of gas guzzling vehicles by 2035. That is going to have the biggest impact uh, of air, on air pollution that we've ever taken here in the state of California. It's going to reduce oil consumption by 91% by 2045. 91% which is absolutely important to be able to accomplish our climate goals. 1.5 billion is moving into rural school districts across California for electrified school buses. Another 10 billion in EV car electric vehicle subsidies for the poorest Californians. 15 billion to expand rural as well as urban public transit, uh, which is absolutely critical. And we also passed uh, land, uh, landmark legislation that is now placing a 3,200 foot setback on oil and gas wells here in California from homes and businesses and schools and hospitals. It is the absolutely most critical move that we can have for impacted communities. We're also expediting the development of green energy projects, large scale solar, offshore, onshore wind, uh, as well as large-scale geothermal. Uh, we're advancing legislation this year, SB 286, that's going to cut five years off of the permitting timeline for offshore wind. It's going to generate hundreds of jobs in coastal communities. 
Um, and we're focused on our new reality. What we know our new reality with a more arid climate, with climate change, is uh, how scarce water will be, especially on the coast. And that is why we've had such a, a intense focus on directing state financial resources to the communities that have been most impacted. So as all you know, well, about $10 million uh, has been and will continue to be invested in the village of Mendocino to be able to expand water storage, but then also get additional uh, water facilities up and running in the village of Mendocino. Uh, Fort Bragg now has a pocket plant, uh, uh, a small scale desalinization plant on the Noyo River, uh, which during peak periods is producing about 30% of their water demand now, which is huge. Uh, we have a new off-stream storage reservoir built a few years back off of the Noyo. We have money that has been invested in Redwood Valley. Tens of millions of dollars have been invested in inland Mendocino, in the city of Ukiah, that will ensure that they're able to offset their potable water use by 50% by 2025 through reuse of highly treated wastewater. That is a game changer uh, for that community. And we've just begun. There are millions more that will be coming into the county of Mendocino in the unincorporated communities and incorporated communities here in the months to come. Talking quickly about California's economy, some good news. California has more clean energy jobs now compared to any other state in America. One in four clean energy jobs in America are right here in California. We have six times more clean energy jobs in California compared to the uh, gas and oil industry, uh, which is absolutely huge for the future uh, economy of this state. Uh, by the first or second quarter of 2024, we anticipate that California will become the fourth largest economy in the world, eclipsing Great Britain. We know that our tourism economy is fully recovered from the impacts of COVID and the pandemic. 2019, we saw $145 billion in visitor spending. This year, we're going to see $154 billion in visitor spending. Uh, we're continuing to see a significant surge in our construction sector. We will build by 2025 about 151,000 units every year of new housing, especially workforce affordable housing. Uh, and that's critical because this year, we won't even crack 120,000. We're ramping up infill housing projects in big cities and small across this state. Uh, by the end of this year, we will, will fully eclipse uh, our jobs that were lost from the pandemic. 3.2 million jobs have been recovered and we'll actually have a record job creation year this year. Uh, and we'll have more jobs in the state of California than ever before by the end of this calendar year. Is it okay if we quickly talk about wildfire uh, with folks? Yes, please. Um, this has been a, a top priority uh, through the Mendocino Complex fire, the North Bay firestorm, what we saw impact uh, Redwood Valley, what we've seen impact uh, parts near Ukiah, where we've seen uh, the Tubbs fire. We have to focus, have to focus on Cal Fire, but there are volunteer fire departments in rural parts of this state. So some quick statistics. In the last eight years, we've swelled permanently Cal Fire ranks 
from 6,700 firefighters to 11,300 today. We're gonna hire another 1,000 full-time firefighters uh, over the next 36 months. We are treating about 300,000 acres of forest land here in California every year. We finally have an agreement from the federal government now that uh, Donald Trump is out of office, um, 500 million will be coming into California from the federal government to reduce wildfire activity on US Forest Service land right here in California. That's about half of everything that's being invested for enhanced uh, treatment in our forests, removing dead and dying trees, wildfire fuel breaks, et cetera, is coming to California. And why that's so critical? 57% of forest land in California owned or and managed by the federal government. And we're not using these headlines about raking the forest any longer. The, the federal government is finally coming in and investing as they should have years ago. We now have seven new C-130 cargo planes that will be the largest fire bombers in the sky that we've now received from the Coast Guard. We have brand new Black um, Blackhawk helicopters that have night fighting capability. Uh, and we have also invested heavily um, in new detection, deploying hundreds of new wildfire cameras across uh, the state and right here on the North Coast. And several million has been secured by the county, uh, by local fire departments, by nonprofits like CSDs, a community services district uh, and resource conservation district to be able to do wildfire prevention activity in coastal and inland Mendocino. Can we talk about PG&E real quick? And uh, this is where uh, you can cuss uh, right now all you want and we welcome it. Uh, but I'm gonna be really candid and tell you what I think about PG&E and uh, wanna get your take. Look, I have great respect for the women and men who work to keep the lights on every day, no, no matter if you live in Manchester or Guadalajara. And I do not trust their CEO. I do not trust their board of super, the, the, the board of directors. Uh, I, form, I've, I firmly believe that they have put profit in front of people. They put profit in front of people for decades. Uh, they are America's largest utility. They're the most dysfunctional utility in the United States of America. And for those who don't think that public power can do as good as a private corporation, uh, I have you look at Ukiah, or have you look at the city of Hillsburg or the city of Santa Clara, who have had public power since bears have roamed, being a little flip here, but they've had public power for decades. They're 30% cheaper uh, than the corporate counterpart at PG&E, and they have a 70% green certified renewable energy portfolio. Uh, we know that we could do it better than PG&E. Almost anybody could, including a squirrel, uh, and it is absolutely critical uh, that we hold them accountable. So here's where we're focused. We have to get their most high fire threat power lines underground. And just being honest, PG&E won't do it by themselves. We have to hold their feet to the ground to do this. We passed Senate Bill 884 that will force PG&E over the next 10 years to get these power lines in the 10,000 miles, uh, who uh, 10,000 miles are the most high fire threat lines underground. It stops 99% of all fire starts. And the wow. last thing I'm gonna say is this, if PG&E were to continue with their veg management and home hardening 
in their wire hardening plan right now, it would cost all of us per month for the next 10 years, 30 bucks, an additional $30 per month to continue on their uh, wire hardening and grid hardening, neighborhood hardening plan. If we were to underground these 10,000 miles of most high fire threat lines, $16.30 per month, $16.30 per month, uh, a little less than half of what it would cost uh, to continue a status quo. And we know that 99% of fire, fire, fire starts uh, stop before they're even started. I wanna finally end with this. There are three major reasons, three major causes a wildfire activity in this state. Check my, check my statistics on this with CAL FIRE. Lightning, cars, PG&E, and private utilities. Three major reasons for massive wildfires is lightning, vehicles, and PG&E, and other private utilities. We have to move with speed to get this done. And I promise you, uh, with this legislation, we're gonna get it done. Quickly on the issue of homelessness, uh, $33 million over the last 36 months has been secured from the state into the County of Mendocino and local communities to be able to combat the crisis that exists on our streets every night. And I'm gonna say it again, this crisis, it's unacceptable, it's appalling, and we must do better. Um, here's where we're at. 146,000 residents call the streets of California home every night. The top two growing dem demographics of homeless residents in California, women with kids hmm. and women over the age of 65. Wow. And what I will say is this, my mom, who I love dearly, worked for 21 years as a bank teller. Her retirement from that bank is less than $600 per month. Less than 600 per month. And so when we take a look at why we're seeing women over the age of 65 uh, now in the top two leading dem demographics for homelessness, it's because lack of retirement security. Uh, and same with women with kids. And so new UCSF study just came out. 80%, 80% of those who are homeless in California our residents. I want to debunk this BS theory that folks are coming to California because of services. That's absolutely not true. In the largest study since this crisis started, 80% of those who are homeless in California were California residents prior to becoming homeless. And here's what we're focusing on. We've built about 16,500 units over the last three years. We're going to build a total of 55,000 units uh, over the next 36 months. That includes the 16,500 that we have already built. We anticipate that we're going to still have about 30 to 40% of that 146,000 uh, population uh, on the street that will not seek housing. Uh, by law, all these state housing units must be wrapped with 24-7 addiction and as well as mental health counseling services. So here's, and this is controversial, here's where the state is moving. Number one, uh, we need to change the definition of gravely disabled in the state. Right now, the definition of gravely disabled to allow a conservatorship is mostly fo focused on physical health 
or movement, and it's not focused on psychosis or mental health. So we have implemented Care Court. It's a new homeless court here in California. We've rolled out Care Court in seven of the 58 counties, focusing on counties that have the highest homeless populations, LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Sacramento, et cetera, counties. What Care Court will do is this. It will provide enhanced authority for judges in the state to advance conservatorship for individuals that do not speak voluntarily housing, uh, wrap with mental health and addiction services. They would be, uh, an individual would be placed into a locked facility for up to 24 months, would be able to receive care, mental health and addiction services. They would also be provided permanently aftercare housing. It is absolutely critical that we solve this crisis. I promise you more is on the way and we're gonna be hosting in the fall, a large meeting, including Mendocino, Trinity, Humboldt, Del Norte and Lake County to take a regional approach to rolling out care court here on the North Coast. I'm gonna quickly end it here and talk schools, talk common sense gun laws, and protecting a woman's right to choose. Schools, again, we're gonna be in the top 10 this year. On coming out of COVID and mental health, we were able to pass legislation last year that's gonna provide 250 million in uh, tuition to, uh, of student loan, erasing of student loans up to $25,000 for any mental health professional that graduates with a four-year mental health degree if they dedicate four years to a public school district, um, which is absolutely important. All meals, breakfast, and lunch are now free for every child in every public school in every community in the state of California because we know you can't learn uh, if you are hungry, and uh, which is absolutely important, uh, for the first time in a half century, about 95% of all students who attend a community college here in, in California will have their first two years paid for by the state, first two years of tuition, which is so important to erase college debt. And we know that college debt and unpaid medical bills are the top two reasons for personal bankruptcy. The last thing I'll say is this. Uh, I have a two-year-old. As you heard, my wife is an elementary school principal. And even with some of the strictest gun laws, California is not immune to school shootings. California has some of the strictest gun laws in America. And what we know is that these, these laws save lives. We are just now ranked as the top state in the nation for gun safety. Uh, we've strengthened our gun laws. We saw a 37% uh, decrease in the gun death rate compared to the national average. And we've cut our overall firearm death rate by 55% since the 1990s. Most of that is because we have banned assault weapons here in California. When you compare that uh, with some red states, uh, they've actually seen a 30% increase uh, in gun death rates over the last decade who have rolled back common sense gun laws. The biggest threat to our gun laws 
here in California is the United States Supreme Court. We need to expand this activist court uh, to be able to get uh, right-minded thinkers onto the court to be able to protect our kids and our communities. The last thing I'll say is this, is California will always stand with women. And I get emotional talking about this because my mom, uh, 50 years ago, marched on the streets to ensure that Roe v. Wade would become law of the land. And I don't know about it, each of you, but we've had so many discussions about, I never would have thought in my lifetime that we'd see such regression, such regression in these laws that would protect women. And thanks to each of you and California voters, California will always stand strong for women. We passed a constitutional amendment last year that will forever enshrine a woman's right to reproductive health care in this state, forever enshrine a woman's access to contraception and access to abortion services. Nearly 200 million has been invested to be able to expand reproductive health clinics in this state. We've seen a 30% increase year to year of women coming out of state into California seeking reproductive health care. We will always stand strong for women in California. I've gone on way too long. I apologize, Supervisor. I'm going to turn it over to each and every one of you. I want to say thank you so much for allowing me to be with you, and I look forward to the conversation, and thank you for this amazing honor to be able to work with you in the state, Senate. Well, thank you, Senator, for joining us, and uh, and I want to extend a thank you from the Board of Snow Clean Power for all that you've done to protect ratepayers in California. And uh, again, uh, people should enter their questions in the chat, and then they'll be called on to ask their question uh, in order of their submission. So first, Eileen Mitra, can you um, ask your question of the Senator? Yes. Um, thank you for, thank you, thank you. Thank God you're our Senator. Hey, Eileen. <laughs> um, and thanks for meeting with us this afternoon and all that information. I'm going to talk really fast. I don't think I can keep as fast as you can, but no, I'll do great. my best. Um, some bills for solar power that we hope you support, SB 233, bi-directional bi energy from EVs, to, um, SB 355, affordable solar roofs on um, multifamily housing. And this one, SB 49, sounds pretty good. Solar canopies on parking lots and highway median strips, geez. But um, there's a bill that passed last year that we wanted to ask you about. AB 205 covered a lot of wonderful things, some of which you've already mentioned in the funding that's going to happen. But at the very last minute on that bill, another provision was added that lifted the cap on fixed charges that utility companies, our favorite PG&E, uh, companies can charge ratepayers. This added a fixed charge that would be the highest in the country from $400 to $1,500 a year. How could this happen? Um, this fixed charge is a regressive tax, increasing utility bills on millions of people who live in apartments and uh, smaller homes that use lower than average electricity. It increases utility bills on people that have put in um, rooftop solar, energy efficiency, and conservation. Um, we want to say thank you for being a strong voice against PG&E decision makers whose sole focus is on shareholders as they exploit um, ratepayers and disregard safety resulting in years of catastrophic fires when ratepayers paid to have the transmission line deficiency um, taken care of. 
We know you never would have voted for this bill if the implications of this provision were obvious and included early in the bill's progress through the legislature. But now that the bill has passed through this last minute trickery, it's clear this bill should be changed. Are there ways that the legislature can fix this problem and ensure that California doesn't have to pay uh, for this terrible mistake? I will definitely go back and take a look at AB 205. I believe that was a budget bill. Um, yeah, it all looked great until PG&E tacked on that utility tax or fixed charge for every person who uses their um, power. Yeah, I'm going to... We're looking into that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I promise you I will get back to you. Um, what is best way um, to be able to respond? Should we work through Peter to get your contact yeah. information? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I mean, I'm going to make a follow up list. So we're going to get back on 205. Yes. Eileen. On 233 at the Senator Skinner bill, I supported the bidirectional charging on 355. SB 355 supported uh, that bill. I got to go back and take a look. You, you The other one was. SB, I'm almost positive, but let me go back. And, and, and I'm not sure about how that. If, how the utilities get their hands in that either, but the idea sounds good. So these were just ones that stood out to us to ask you about. Got it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, I will get back to you on this. Okay. I promise you on 205. Thanks. Thank okay. you. Hannah, you're next up. Uh, I echo what Eileen said uh, about how grateful we are for your presence in the California legislature. Thank you so much and for being here today. Uh, about a month ago, we sent you, uh, GRI sent you a letter outlining uh, the background for this, what we see as a social injustice that the coastal communities have, uh, burden they've borne, um, and proposing to expand SB 535 to which defines disadvantaged communities and priority population areas to include communities like ours. And uh, SB 535 is, is, is the bill that is tied to AB 32, the Global Warming Solutions Act. If, is that ringing a bell? It was about a month ago we sent it to you. I am checking right now with Carrie. Did you send it to the Mendocino office? Because uh, I don't know if we have that no, in Sacramento. We we emailed it to, to you at your email address. Okay. Um, I will go back and check it. Well, basically what we're hoping for ultimately is if you would sponsor an amendment to 535 to include more priority population areas so that we can profit, you know, the communities really in need can profit from those charges to the polluters, the 25% that the polluters have to pay the state, we would really love to have some of that money for housing here, for affordable housing, for public transit, for, you know, renewable energy in the houses. There's just so much. Um, anyway, if you can look, we would really be grateful. 100%. And it was it. It was SB thirty five. Two. You were saying SB five three five, correct? SB five three five defines the disadvantaged communities 
that profit from the global yes. right so and we would like to be included 100 <laughs> percent. what i would say is this is that um the county of mendocino city of fort bragg city of ukiah city of willits they've been pretty successful so look i think on issues uh of um of, of affordable workforce housing if you have specific projects please let us know it is we can get the funding to be able to move projects forward right so we we're building um projects in southern humble at a former school site we're building 15 acres uh that the state swapped with the county uh in the city of clear lake uh city of ukiah has been in, uh incredibly aggressive on affordable housing funds we we will never have more housing dollars available in the system now um, than what we do uh, right now. So please work with us. I'd be happy to um, set up uh, an, another meeting to be able to talk about housing because it is of utmost importance and we'd love, we'd love to be able to work with you on this. Thank you. Sounds wonderful. Senator, uh, Doug, can you unmute yourself and ask your question? Hey, Doug. Yes, Senator. Good to see you. Hammerstrom here from Fort Bragg. Uh, um, when I was on the council for 12 years and mayor for part of that, we had some Good to see you again. very pleasant interactions. Good to see you again. I appreciate your courtesy to me in the past and your um, legislative work and your energy. And I'm speaking to you, to you today on behalf of the Grassroots Institute, Noyo Headlands Working Group about a pretty intractable problem of cleaning up the mill ponds that's yeah. been going on for the last 20 years. And um, we've submitted a, a longer version of what I'm going to say to your uh, staff through Peter. Yep. And so, um, but to boil it down for time, so, so we'd like to know if you would support an estuarial restoration as the best approach to mitigate, it, to mitigate the contaminated mill ponds that threaten Soldier Bay and prevent access to the beach on the Noyo Headlands. Yeah, and first and foremost, I just wanna say thank you for your incredible work on the council. Thank you to each of you uh, for your work on this project. I'm gonna, Doug, I'm gonna share some concerns and I'm gonna turn it over to you to be able to give you the last word. So look, um, I am deeply concerned in regards to the ownership and Mendocino Railway. Um, and I know all of you are very familiar with it. Uh, so I think that this should be under public ownership for the public good. Um, I have to say to see Mendocino Railway's interaction or lack thereof with the community their hubris, uh, their arrogance uh, is disappointing to say the least. Um, they have tread all over the community. They have illegally taken land from neighbors um, and they're going to fight any environmental enhancement of historically contaminated uh, land, wetlands and storage pond, uh, from that former mill site. So this is an issue that is of utmost importance to us, of the Coastal Commission. Doug, I'd be 
happy to work alongside you. We are working uh, in tandem with the city of Fort Bragg. Um, we believe that the Coastal Commission has jurisdiction to be able to uh, implement additional standards, cleanup, remediation, uh, and enhancements on that land. Mendocino Railway says that they aren't subject to that as a federal utility. We call BS on that. They're an excursion train. They are not a freight train. Um, and uh, I think that the courts agree with us and the federal agreement, the federal government has agreed with us as we move the Great River Trail forward. So I say, yes, Doug, I'm happy to be able to set up a meeting with you to talk further about this um, and anything that we can do to be able to uh, right historic wrongs on that land, um, count us in as a partner. Well, well, thank you for that. And it means a lot to the people of Fort Bragg who when the mill was there really didn't have access to the coast even though they were a coastal city. And having the central area developed as a parklands with access to the ocean and with all the restoration opportunities that are represented there would be of great uh, service to the people of Fort Bragg, so. But I think, Doug, I think the one issue that we have, and please push back on me, because you know best, Doug, is the ownership group at this point. Uh, and ultimately, my belief uh, is they're not willing to play ball on much of the, uh, many of the priorities that I think we all value. And, and they follow on the ownership of Georgia Pacific that also didn't want to have this public, um, but, but on all the maps of the, uh, the mill site, that area is shown as parkland and, and that has raised people's expectations. And you know we're looking at some way that maybe through public private partnerships or some ways that we could add state money to the owner's money to clean up the mill ponds and therefore allow for the uh, estuarial restoration project there that, that we might be able to get um, landowner agreement with what we want to do you know, with some sweetening of the pot. And so we're trying to look at what opportunities there might be for that kind of approach, as well as there's some approaches, uh, there's a 30-30 easement kind yeah. of approach that might serve in this sort of situation. And um, so we, we'd just like to have the resources of your office helping us strategize how to deal with this intractable problem. I think you're absolutely right, 100%. I think my, my bottom line is this, uh, Mendocino Railway are the owners. They share in responsibility for the remediation and enhancements. Um, and I think that the state should hold them accountable for that, number one. So that doesn't all fall on taxpayers um, in our pocketbooks to be able to do that for them. I think that there is a reason why they got this land so cheap. Um, the the mail, Georgia Pacific knew what they were selling uh, and they couldn't offload it fast enough uh, at such a cheap price. And now I believe the Coastal Commission, I fully support the Coastal Commission, supported by the Attorney General's Office of the State of California, that needs to hold um, Mendocino Railway accountable to do the right thing. And um, I promise you, Doug, you're gonna have a follow-up uh, from us along with Eileen on 
205 and HANA on 535. Yeah, and then the other regulatory uh, issue is DTSC. And so, you know, we want them to do their full job on this as well. So uh, any help you can give us with all these things would be really appreciated. I don't, I don't think you're going to see the state back off one iota. Again, I, I want to, the state's belief, uh, I'll just speak for myself, I guess, on this. Mendocino Railway is not a freight railroad. They're uh, a beloved excursion train that has um, operated here on the coast, connecting Willits for decades. And I'm grateful uh, for their commitment. And they're not a freight train. Uh, they're not above the law. Mendocino County Superior Court has stated as such by giving the land back and uh, damages uh, to the landowner. So uh, we have had two rulings in favor of the Great Redwood Trail, uh, moving the trail northward through the Eel River Canyon up to Samoa because a challenge that as a freight railroad, which was debunked, uh, and we have to do the same here, Doug, and I promise you that it's gonna be a major push of ours. Thank you very much. And you will be hearing from us, Doug. And so the next uh, question comes, it comes from Supervisor Hashak. Hey, Supervisor. Hey, good afternoon, Senator. Thank How you, you doing? For, for doing this and great to see you. Uh, my question is about the offshore wind power project out of Humboldt Bay. And, you know, it's going to be a huge deal for everybody. And my understanding is that there's two options for the transmission lines to go east towards Redding or to come south through Mendocino County. And so I'm just wondering, you know, looking forward to this, this huge project, how Mendocino County can best position itself to, to take advantage and what vision do you have for, for how we can, um, you know, best use this because it's going to be clean energy but we don't want to just be the conduit for these transmission lines. No. So first and foremost, uh, we just passed legislation that uh, any state project labor agreement, um, which this project will be in Humboldt County, uh, must advance a community benefit agreement uh, and hire um, local population, number one. Number two, uh, we have Senate Bill 286 that is moving forward right now in return for getting five years off of uh, the permitting timeline slashed, they're gonna have to, offshore wind is gonna have to do three, three things. Number one, uh, they're gonna have to fund uh, career training classes in Humboldt and Mendocino, Del Norte County to be, be connected to this new industry. Two, uh, they're gonna have to focus hiring on disadvantaged communities uh, and focusing in particular on Native American populations uh, here on the North Coast. Three, uh, they're gonna have to be able to develop a community benefit grant fund uh, that will help uh, any loss of fishing ground for the fleet as well as any impacts to local communities. Um, we're moving through uh, this process now, uh, and I say all that is we also have to focus on transmission, um, which is absolutely critical. So um, long term, if we see green energy projects pop up, for example, in Mendocino County, the Achilles heel to all of these projects 
is the transmission lines. Um, they're antiquated. PG&E has not kept up with it. Uh, and we're going to have to look at rebuilding these transmission lines, whether they go south through Mendocino County or east to the grid towards Reading. So number one, um, there's several models internationally. Great Britain, for example, mandates that offshore wind developers have to also upgrade the transmission lines, not at ratepayer expense. That is an issue that we're exploring even as we speak. Um, two, uh, we need to do an evaluation of how much the lines are going to be in regards to grid reliability. So we have a second bill, Senate Bill 391, that would mandate the three agencies in charge of transmission, PUC, Cal ISO, as well as the California Energy Commission, have to work together on a strength weaknesses analysis, uh, along with working with PG&E, especially here uh, on the North Coast. And the last thing I'll just say is, I think we are in really good shape with Sonoma Clean Power serving Mendocino, Redwood uh, Energy uh, Public CCA up in Humboldt to be able to work together to continue to try to land these green energy projects. But again, Supervisor, I think we need to upgrade the transmission lines as well. And you're gonna see us laser focus on this as we move forward. But Supervisor, I'll turn it over to you for a last comment and a last word. And I'm grateful, Supervisor, for your leadership. No, I just I totally appreciate what you just said. I just worry about you know your previous comments about PG&E, and the concern is PG&E taking over this whole project and running with it. Yeah, I mean, be, to be really honest, they don't have the funds to do it. Um, that's the. I mean, it's uh, we're very nervous about that, and um, I'm a big believer that we need to be able to do a. And then now financial analysis to figure out how deep a hole we're in. PG&E hasn't done that. Our bill mandates that the state has to work with PG&E to be able to get this analysis done. So we know real numbers, uh, but I'm just being honest about it, Supervisor, PG&E can't afford it. PG&E can't, uh, I'm just being really transparent. They have lost sight of their transmission lines uh, because they're hardening their energy lines right now because of liability and fire risk. They haven't done both. Um, and so now the state is gonna have to hold their feet to the ground and hold them accountable to upgrade the transmission system. I guarantee you, we are gonna build thousands of megawatts of additional power capacity from green energy plants, offshore onshore wind, geothermal, large-scale solar, and non-impacted air basins biomass in the coming decade. And PG&E, if we didn't hold their feet to the ground, would still be twiddling their thumbs. So um, this is a great concern. Um, and uh, I really do believe that we're going to have to bid out these line projects or put it onto the back of these offshore wind providers like some European governments have done. Right. Thank you very much, Senator. No, Supervisor, it's so good to see you. Love working with you. Karen Bowers. Hi, Senator. Good to hey. see you. Hey. Um, so I have a question. It's political because uh, somebody told me that you were planning on running for insurance commissioner. And um, we're just getting started with you as majority leader. What's up with that? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. So um, I am looking at uh, insurance commissioner. Uh, 
even as we speak, this has been a, a, a top issue of concern here on the North Coast, uh, North Bay, since the 2015 Valley Fire in Lake County, it's only gotten worse. Um, this has been an issue that I've been very focused in on, uh, but I, by law, will be unable to run for re-election to the state Senate in four years. Uh, and this is an issue that I've been very focused on is insurance stability, home hardening, upgrading our grid, focusing on all issues of wildfire prevention and response. Uh, and I would be uh, remiss if I did not start looking at this uh, as an opportunity to be able to stand strong for consumers uh, and ensure that we have a stable uh, residential and auto insurance market for decades to come. So Karen, that's why I'm looking at it. I feel grateful to have this role, um, but there are term limits uh, to the state Senate and that is four years away. And so I promise you, Karen, I'm 110% focused on the top issues that are facing our communities. Uh, focusing on climate, focusing on good schools, bringing in jobs, making sure that we expand uh, clean energy projects here on the North Coast, uh, focusing on forest resiliency. That is my number one, two, and three priority, Karen, and you will not see my eye taken off that, that prize. I promise well, you that. I certainly hope if you become insurance commissioner, you will make insurance issues um, in your rural commun communities a top project for you. Thank you. 110%. Thank you, Karen. It's good to see you. A.B. Wynn, can you ask your questions? Thank you, Dan. Uh, Senator McGuire, thank you so much. Hey. We're really grateful for everything that you're doing. It's really good to see you. Um, so cutting things a little bit short, this what I'm going to ask for your assistance on has 100% to do with housing, workforce housing, though it's not going to sound like it when I ask, for, ask my question. So the question to your team, and we sent this by email, so you've got it there as well, is can your team work with us to see what kind of assistance can be provided by the state to help our local communities, assistance in terms of funding or technical assistance? One, to help create new small water and sewer and or septic districts adjacent to our more densely populated areas and unincorporated areas of our county. So water, small water and sewer slash septic districts, specifically along our coastal zone, for instance, Elk, Anchor Bay, Fort Bragg is a large example. Um, two, can you help us find a way to expand existing service districts to adjacent unserved parcels um, for, for instance, adjacent to county parcels, easterly adjacent to the city of Fort Bragg. So you were talking earlier about um, reservoirs. This is kind of an annexation type con concept. And three, can, can, your, or can your team help us find ways to develop water storage, such as reservoirs for existing water districts, such as the North Wallala Water Company, development and expansion of these sorts of community services, as you might understand, are essential to creating new housing along our coast by eliminating these barriers to having adequate water supply and wastewater treatment. SB9 really can't do anything with that without having water and, and sewer or septic. So this would be fantastic. I've got that in email. So um, looking for any assistance that you might be able to have for us. Amy, 100%. So there's a few items, there's a few guardrails that we have to work within. Number one, on the coast, we have to work within the local coastal plan. Um, and 
uh, please supervisors push back on me, about $2 million uh, has been secured um, by uh, the county to be able to do the first major update to the LCP that will take in housing uh, here in decades. That's really good news. Two, we'll need to be able to work within the general plan of the county, but Amy, here's my bottom line. The reason why we've seen folks leave California is because they can't afford rent. They can't afford, let alone buying a home. My mom and I struggled growing up financially. And when you see struggle as a kid, you want to change it as an adult. Anything that we can do, number one, to be able to expand water resources on the coast, you we're all in. Um, just like we've done with the village of Mendocino, just like we've done with the city of Fort Bragg. There's a few items that the state will focus in on, Amy, and I want to just get into some specifics. Number one, we are into consolidating smaller districts into a larger districts for economies of scale. So there is money available to be able to consolidate districts into one larger for that economy of scale. That is very challenging at times coming from a small town because everybody has their own set of politics, right? But honestly, what we've seen, same thing with the fire service, uh, it's been the right thing to do. So we would love to work with you on opportunities to look at those type of potentials. We'd love to work with you on potential sites. Um, for workforce affordable housing, under state housing law, we have to have, as you so eloquently stated, Amy, hook up to water, uh, municipal water, not well, and we need a sewer district. So we would be happy to work with you. You have my commitment. It is a passion of mine um, and would love to be able to uh, secure some funding on this. Last thing I'll just say is, is I'd like to start small and build upon success. So in the Southern Humboldt School District, for example, there's an old middle school site that's been vacant for over a decade. We got $250,000 into the state budget to do uh, a housing plan, feasibility plan on that site. What we'd love to be able to do with you, Amy, is path the least resistance, publicly owned parcels. Then we need to find an owner, if you will, the county, for example, uh, could be a school district to be able to advance the feasibility study. How many units we could put on the parcel, how much water, uh, how much sewer use, et cetera. Uh, what other improvements will need to be made? Um, and would love to start with one or two parcels and start to build from there. Um, Amy, you tell us the time and place. We'd love to be able to meet with you. I am meeting with the Gualala Community Service District, I think in two weeks. Uh, cool. on water demand, um, and that is uh, going to be part of our discussion um, with the Community Service District. So, Amy, you tell us when you want to be able to get together, and we will start making it work. Um, and we've done this before. We've done this in Lake County. We've done this in, in Humboldt County, Sonoma County, and Marin County. We'd love to be able to work with you in Coastal Mendocino, if you'd be all in. You bet. All in. Thank you very much. Amy, I'll thank reach you. Out. I I'm out. very excited about it. Thank you, Senator. Thank and I know you have a five o'clock appointment in two minutes. <laughs> Do you have any final comments? And we know your staff will remain here for answering or recording your, the questions. 
100%. So let me just go through our follow-ups. Is that okay, Supervisor? Go ahead. Um, Eileen, we're going to get back to you on 205. Hannah, on that 535, I actually think that was like a few years back. Uh, just some very brief research on that here. We'll get back to you on it. It is the... Um, it's the disadvantaged community definition that we need to be able to change. Northern California and the Bay Area have been impacted. So um, I hear you on that. We have been trying to change that. Uh, and I'm sorry, as, as you were talking, I was doing a little bit of uh, looking in my email on 535. And I will get back to you on that because that's been a priority for the Bay Area Caucus and Northern California Caucus on that. Amy, look forward to talking with you further on this. Go team, let's let's start focusing on that housing. And now that we need to look at infrastructure and Doug, I look forward to working with you uh, on all issues of the headlands uh, and moving that forward. I'm just gonna say this and just say, thank you. This is the best job that you could ever have. And I feel so incredibly grateful that you allow me to work with you each day. Um, this is where I grew up. I take this job incredibly personally. I wanna make sure that we over deliver for you every day. And I just want to say thank you for this amazing opportunity to be able to serve in the State Senate. 